Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. This is the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. So the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joining me today is Chris Bills of the Striker Texas and is one of the preeminent uh, people covering Austin FC Sunday's opponent, obviously. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, Jeremiah. Thanks for having me. Uh, good to talk to you again. Yeah. So uh, we we we've heard if if you are a Austin, if you're someone that's interested in Austin FC, you've probably seen Chris on Twitter because you were one of the people that were have been covering this team essentially since the since they moved, or even since the rumors of them moving from Columbus, if we if we call that or however we want to describe that whole scenario. Yeah, but, I, I guess I don't want to get too conceited, but I might be the person that's been covering this since then because I was the only person crazy enough to, <laughs> to, try, yeah. to, to try to cover uh, all the City Hall stuff and, and everything that's happened since since October of 2017. But yeah, we have we have real soccer to talk about. It's amazing. I know. It, <laughs> it is kind of amazing. Um, how like Let's just start there on a, from a broad perspective. How does it feel like this season is going? Is it is it up to expectations, just speaking on the field? Yeah, on the field, I think, um, you know, it's been interesting to watch how this team kind of started hot out of the gates. And, you know, they already had, I think, 11 national TV games. And after they went uh, and won in Colorado, and obviously it took a bunch of fans there. Um, and then they won the next week. And Minnesota, and all of a sudden, you know, that this match got changed to a primetime Fox Sports one game. Um, I think their match in Kansas City uh, on June 12th is now going to be on Univision, and uh, they just moved a Portland match um, to a Thursday night to get it on national TV. So uh, there just seems to be a lot of interest around what this team's doing on the pitch. But obviously, you know, since that happened, they've lost the last three, and and things don't look maybe so so great. So. You know, I think that this is just sort of how I think Austin fans are learning to be MLS fans, right? You, you, yeah. you play six matches on, uh, straight on the road and you're going to have some fluky moments like Alex Ring's red card in Kansas City and you're going to have some poor performances like they did, um, you know, in Nashville. So I think this is just sort of how these seasons go. And to me, this is like an MLS team, but it, it does look like a team that needs a bit of infusion this summer. And I think we're going to see that. Yeah, you know, the the salaries just came out and Austin was at the bottom of that list or near the bottom. I don't remember if they're right there with, they're right there with Vancouver. And yeah. They're right above Vancouver. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and Vancouver obviously, and you know, this is an inexact science. That's not to say that like Austin's not spending any money, but it was a reminder that this team was put together without any marquee names. Really. It was yeah. a lot of kind of proven MLS talent and lesser known international talent. There was no, you know, star that they were building around. Is that still, do you think that's still the, is the plan to bring in more of a name in the summer or is this a team that is really kind of building with a kind of like spread it around ethos? 
I mean, I think it, I, that's one of the biggest questions I've had. And, and, but also I think that it, it does harken back to the idea of what do you consider a name, right? right? Because I think that's sort of evolving in MLS, you know, obviously the Sounders brought in Clinton Dempsey and, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, teams since then, like, you know, Joseph Martinez, Miguel Almaron, I mean, Atlanta and LAFC have gone out and spent a ton of money the way they build out their teams. I don't think Austin's ever going to reach that level, but at the same time, I do think that, you know, I actually spoke to Claudia Reyna today and, and you can go look at my reporting um, from that interview. Um, hopefully, hopefully by the time I get to Seattle um, and, you know, it, it was, that was a lot of our conversation was about, you know, how they're sort of looking at the summer window. And I think the idea is to bring in some more attacking players and, um, you know, I could see definitely a player of a higher a profile, um, you know, a higher dollar spend than Cecilia Dominguez, who right now is the highest paid player on the roster. So I think that the top end of this roster is by no means built out and they actually have quite a bit of flexibility, which again, you know, um, check out the Striker Texas to learn more about that. But, um, and also I'm sure we'll talk about it on the podcast next week. Um, but uh, it's, it's been interesting to watch how patient Claudia Reyna has been in building this roster because it's not just about spending money, right, Jeremiah? It's about no, spending absolutely. it's about spending money well and, and finding the right players. So I think that, you know, they're being patient, but at the same time, they, they, they are going to need to pull the trigger if they want to make good on their promise to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think there's one thing that we've learned, especially in recent years, is that it's not just about the raw spend and it's certainly not about how many big name, how many recognizable names you have on there. I mean, inner Miami spent like crazy to bring in a bunch of big names, none of whom have lifted them into anything like an elite MLS team. Meanwhile, you know, Nashville barely spent anything, but they filled out their roster with a lot of really competent players and they spent really smartly in their, you know, right there in competitiveness, like they are uh, hard to hard to really question what they're doing. Um, and I and I think, you know, you look at a team like FC and Cincinnati at the same time, who probably yeah. overthought what they were going to be able to do. Like they somehow convinced themselves that if you bring in a bunch of USL players, that they'll suddenly uh, lead to a competitive MLS team. And Austin seems to be somewhere trying to find that balance, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think they're trying to build smartly, uh, you know, with having a slight, you know, a lower budget, I think it's fair to say, but I don't think we fully know. I don't, I think that this budget is bigger than Anthony Freeport had it in Columbus, right? He's got other investors along with him. Eddie Margain is, you know, a pretty deep pocketed, um, you know, minority investor in this team. And, um, you know, I think that they're going to go out and spend. It's just a matter of how much. And I think that this summer is really going to be sort of that barometer that we're finally going to have that question answered the, the kind of the question that I've been asking since the beginning um, that, you know, every time it's like, Oh yeah, we're going to spend money. Like we're going to be um, you know, and the, th- the other thing that they've said is that they're top five uh, in the league in sponsorship revenue as well. So, I mean, oh. what other, what other markets are, you know, mid-sized markets that are doing well in the business metrics, business metrics, that phrase, but doing well in the the business side of, uh, you know, their clubs and doing well in attendance, you know, Austin FC has 21,000 people on their season ticket wait list now. That's Um, amazing. So so like, you know, what other markets pop into mind when I say all that, I I think it's, it's Portland, you know, it's, it's Kansas city and, 
you know, ultimately, I think that the, the bar has been set with Seattle. And, and that's one thing I've been thinking about with this matchup coming is like, you know, this is what the best of the best looks like when you talk about building a, a roster smartly, um, but also having that infusion of, uh, you know, just being able to spend a lot of dollars because you're making a lot of dollars. Right. And, and that's where I think Austin wants to get to eventually, but uh, certainly not there yet. And I think it's going to be hard to pull off a result this weekend uh, because of that. Well, that's a good transition into the on-field product that it is that we're going to be seeing on on Sunday. Uh, this is a team who I think the expectation was that they would be really well organized, that you'd be able to see real patterns of play, that you would, you know, that that you could kind of see Greg Berhalter's influence uh, yeah. coming through Josh Wolf, the head coach, uh, and that seems to be basically how it's played out. It's just that you know, they hold a lot of possession. They seem to be structured well defensively, but yet they aren't pitching a bunch of shutouts and they aren't scoring a bunch of goals. And that's leading to some uneven results. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I think they, they've showed it in spurts, right? They, they went in the second half in Colorado, I think was, I mean, the epitome of what they want to do right now. They had Cecilio Dominguez floating in from the left wing, um, you know, and really driving at, at uh, the defense and, and, you know, causing, causing havoc. And then, uh, you know, in Minnesota, it was Jared Stroud sort of playing a nice cross in from the wing. And we've seen that a few times from him. He's, he's had a really nice start to the season, Jared Stroud on the right, you know, on the right wing for Austin. And, and that's, you know, if there is a difference between what Josh Wolf and uh, is doing and what Greg Berhalter has done, both in Columbus and especially with the national team, because I think this four three system four three three system uh, does mirror pretty pretty closely what what the national team is doing. Uh, but I think he he's pressing a little bit more. It's a bit more aggressive on certainly on the counter press, but also you know uh, pressing with the wings. Um, so that's something to to maybe watch for. I don't know if they'll do it as much against Seattle. Um, but I, I, you know, that is one thing that I think has sort of allowed Jared Stroud to, to kind of settle right in is that he's actually said that it's similar to, you know, the press that he did at the, the Red Bulls. And I, I wouldn't necessarily have correlated that, you know, a Josh Wolf, Greg Berhalter system with, you know, what the Red Bulls do, obviously, but, you know, as far as the pressing goes, um, that's something to, to maybe watch for that's that, you know, Josh Wolf's maybe trying to put his own stamp on, on things a little bit. And so are there any players that have stood out? You know, you mentioned Jared Stroud, you mentioned uh, Cecilio Domingos. What are the other players that, uh, that, that Sounders fans maybe should be paying attention to who have stood out or, or maybe haven't lived up to expectations? Would you say? Oh, we're probably going to see a lot of Brad Stuver again uh, this weekend. And he's been really good. Uh, you know, Brad Stuver had only nine MLS starts. He's 30 years old uh, coming into this season. And, um, but he was behind Zach Steffen in Columbus and he was behind Sean Johnson in New York and the dude can play, right? It's, it's almost been, you know, it's been interesting to see a guy come in who you kind of maybe thought was just kind of a budget goalkeeper to bring in and, and, you know, keep, keep the roster spend down. And, uh, he won the starting job over Andrew Tarbell and, uh, right from the word go, you could see why he's really good with his feet. Uh, and he sets things up well. Uh, for the system that Joshua wants to play. And he's also made some, some huge saves. So, you know, you mentioned that uh, you think that Austin's been pretty well organized defensively, but there's been plenty of uh, scary moments with this back four uh, where they, you know, they, they do like to push the fullbacks high and, 
they don't necessarily have the best center backs in the world yet. Johan Romagna is young and athletic, and I think he's going to be a really good MLS center back, but he's not quite there yet. And Matt Beasler's obviously, you know, had his best days behind him. He's looked pretty good so far, but, um, you know, not the most mobile uh, guy at this point in his, in his career. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, being stuck sort of like they were, uh, against Nashville where they, you know, they lost the ball in midfield and all of a sudden the ball turns over and they're kind of, kind of shorthanded on the back end. Um, those are the moments that, that Brad Stuber's really shined and, and it's been, it's been fun to watch. And then obviously Alex ring has been, I think the best player for this team so far, uh, probably had his worst performance against Nashville and was out the week before that, um, against the LA galaxy because of that red card that he had in Kansas city. But the first, uh, four weeks of the season, I think it's fair to say that Alex ring was, uh, far and above the best player on Austin FC and sort of the glue that was holding everything together. And, and how has, how has Dominguez, how have the, there, there's one other DP, right. That you, that you have. Yeah. Tomas Pochettino from Argentina is the other uh, designated player. And yeah, so far, uh, you know, I think Cecilio had that really good second half uh, in Colorado where he scored two goals. Um, He's had some moments again, when he can get to the middle of the field, and it, he's a bit of, he's a bit predictable right now in this system, and I think that it's not all his fault. That um, I just don't know if there's enough pieces right now to really unlock him um, and show what he can do. But when he does get um, space to kind of float into the middle of the field, and when he does get space to uh, drive at defenders like he did, um, I think in the 13th minute or so against Nashville, where he, he probably should have scored. Um, then you can kind of see what type of player he is. And Tomas Pochettino, you know, he's shown some flashes too of his individual skill, um, you know, really solid on the ball, uh, really good on set pieces. He scored a couple free kicks in preseason, but we haven't seen any of that so far. And, and a lot of the, the nice little flicks and the little things that he's done haven't really led to much either. Um, so I think it's time to start kind of, you know, looking, I think there's been a lot of focus on Danny Hosen at center forward and the things that he's not doing, namely scoring goals, but uh, it's also, you know, there's other guys on the team that are maybe trying to do a little too much. I'm feeling a little bit of pressure here, you know, now that this team's finally hitting its first kind of adversity. Um, and I think Tomas Pochettino definitely looked frustrated on, on Sunday night in Nashville. So one of the areas that I, I perceive there being some instability is that center forward where it looks like John Gallagher and Danny Hosen have, have kind of flip-flopped, right? (laughs) The the, the, the fans would like to think so. Uh, Uh. The the fans would like to think that, (laughs) that John Gallagher has jumped ahead of Danny Hosen, but I'm not sure that that's reality. I think, I think we probably will see Gallagher this weekend. Um, Hosen, you know, had an, you know, man, he, he didn't have a very good performance in Nashville. He had a ball on his head that was uh, sort of more of a half chance, but, you know, Josh Wolf said it was one of the two chances in the game that he thought that the team maybe could have put one away. And uh, he didn't finish that. And then he had the turnover uh, in the second half or turnover in the first half uh, that led to Nashville's goal. And, and, you know, when you're a center forward, that's, you know, supposed to be holding up play and creating opportunities on the wings and, um, you know, it's okay that you haven't scored. You also have to be doing those things that you're supposed to be on the field to be doing. And one of those things is, uh, you know, 
having being solid in possession and he just got completely taken off the ball by Annabelle Godoy. And so I do think we'll see Gallagher this weekend. And I also think that that fits the game plan that probably Josh Wolf is, is thinking, which is probably closer to what we've seen in Kansas city, which was the most direct that they've played, um, which might be hard to do against Seattle. But I think, I think that's the direction that, that probably makes the most sense given the limitations that Austin has right now. Yeah. I mean, I would say as long as you don't, try to get in behind new who you at least have some hope but if the plan at all involves beating new who for speed or over the top that's going to be it's going to be a long uh, a long night i think but uh yeah it's it's been interesting the way that teams have played the sounders this year is that for some reason they've been the most pressed team in mm. the league uh and i don't know i i suppose like i don't know if there's an easy explanation for that other than they've been leading a lot of the time so maybe teams are inclined to press a bit more just because they've been trailing but uh yeah the sounders have have had to deal with it seems like even teams that don't normally press have been pressing against the sounders so it would be interesting if a team ended up playing more direct uh because they haven't really no one's really tried to do that against them yet so it'd be interesting to see uh how that might look but uh moving off the field a little bit uh you are on game seven, I think of a eight game road trip, right? Yep, exactly. And so I would imagine that is we're at the point where probably maybe the low point of you're, you don't have the relief of it being the last game, but you are getting probably a little tired of road games. Is that the mood around the team? Is there like a sense of like, okay, we're ready to, to go home and, and play some, <laughs> like sleep in our own bed before a game one of these days. Yeah, I was out at training uh, yesterday morning and I got there at 10 and, you know, we're only allowed to watch the first 15 minutes and they didn't come out of film until I want to say after 11 o'clock. So, you know, they've, it's, they've kind of hit that moment where I think there's a lot of things to work on. There's a lot of things that they need to do better. And also they've had a lot of injuries. I think that hasn't really gotten talked about enough with Austin that, you know, they were supposed to have Ulysses Segura. He went down with a, you know, a knee injury before the season started. Aaron Schoenfeld, uh, it sounds like, is maybe working his way back from a knee injury. But that, you know, I'm not going to say that would solve the forward situation, but at least you'd have another option there. Um, and then, uh, you know, Johan Romagna just, just went down uh, with an injury in Nashville, and we're not sure if he'll be back yet on uh saturday on sunday night it doesn't look like danny Pereira probably will make the trip i'd be surprised at least he, he wasn't at training yesterday um and gosh i feel like i'm missing one even oh ben sweat obviously had a, had his torn acl so this is already you know not the deepest roster because just by the nature of expansion and, and you add in that number of injuries especially three knee injuries at this point in the season uh, it's, that's been, that's been an issue too. And I, I, you know, I do feel like the road trips probably have something to do with that, but it's also just bad luck. And, um, you know, I think expecting to go to Seattle and get a result is a, is a difficult task in any circumstance. Right. But, um, you know, you go to Seattle, you lose this one, then you're looking at a four, four match losing streak and you've got to go to Kansas city who is starting to look like maybe the second best team in the West. And, yeah. It's just the not the, the the wheels are definitely not starting to come off, but it it is a little bit precarious where you know this this team had so much buzz around it a couple of weeks ago, and now you're going to be heading into the home opener, um, you know, looking at you know six points minimum, and uh, it's going to be hard to go much higher than that. But I think you know any kind of result this weekend or next weekend in Kansas City, I think 
I think you'd have to be feeling pretty good at that point. Yeah, there are not a lot of off weeks in in MLS in general, I suppose, but really in the in the Western Conference. I at the beginning of the year, I was having a conversation with Alicia Rodriguez, who uh, runs a bunch of the the California yeah. MLS sites, and we were talking about how I I felt really strongly that Sounders, LAFC, and Portland were all going to be among the top five teams. Like maybe not one, two, three, but probably like I felt really good that those three teams would all be in the top five. And then I said, I was willing to engage in conversation <laughs> with any one of the teams below them finishing virtually anywhere from like three to 14. And it's just is it three turn or 14. Anyway, first to, from like third to, to last essentially, because I just feel like there's so much, like if you had told me Austin FC is going to somehow finish third, fourth, fifth, I, I could have seen that. If you told yeah. me they're going to finish last, I said I would have said sure, I could see that. And I think you could go through almost every team, and it's like one or two injuries is going to, you know, end up really deciding how how well they do. And I think, you know, when you get into a bad run, you can kind of see how you don't get you don't you don't have a game on the schedule where it's like okay, well that's we can take a breath there. We should get three, no problem. It's a home game against RSL. Well, shoot, <laughs> apparently RSL's good. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing about this conference right now. And we, we, we've been having almost the exact same discussion uh, on the Striker podcast with, between myself, John Arnold and Victor Ariza. And, and Victor was saying, you know, he felt what, where Houston's at right now, which they're in fourth place, I think, behind Seattle, um, yeah. Kansas City and L.A., and he was saying that this is sort of the best case scenario for this, this stretch of the season where, you know, you, you would sort of map, up, map out the results uh, coming into the season and this would have been the best case and I think that that struck me because I was sort of thinking about where Austin was a few weeks ago uh, and how close they were to getting three points in Kansas City and this is sort of where it's not where they should have been but it's where they could have been right they could mm-hmm. have easily been where Houston is right now or you know and, but instead they're they're down where they are and I think that that's sort of going to happen throughout the season where you're going to see a team sort of jump up and jump down based on a run of good results or bad results. And then you're going to look back, uh, you know, three weeks later and you realize, oh, they were just playing all the bad teams or they were just playing at home right. during that stretch. And this is what happens in the Western Conference. And to your point, like it's Seattle's at the top and then there's 12 teams and then there's Vancouver. Like <laughs> that's, that's kind of where we're at uh, in the Western Conference right now. So if you can fast forward me, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but let's do it anyway. Uh, it's <laughs> July 22nd. The Sounders are getting ready to visit Austin FC. Uh, you guys have now played, you know, five or six home games at that point. What's your prediction for how things look? Is this a team that is in the playoff hunt? Are they a team that is just kind of in, enjoying being the talk of the town you know, paint me a picture, if you will. And I realize this is a very unfair question because I gave you no prep at all, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is where I really wish that Claudia ran it. What I answered my question this morning about whether they've signed a DP yet. Exactly. Uh, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I think that's, that's what's going to decide things, right? I think that the way that Josh Wolf wants to play, he's not going to change it. Like he's made that very clear. This is, this is a four, three, three. We're going to attack. You know, we're going to leave ourselves vulnerable. We're going to create chances. Chances, And right now, like, it's fair to say that it hasn't worked the last three weeks. But that that I think that that's a lot of that has to do with the fact that 
um, you know, they're a few eggs short of an omelet right now. They just, they don't have the pieces that they need to pull off this kind of progressive system in a league where every team is so close in talent. Um, and right now you're among the lower spending teams. This is a really well-built roster from top to bottom. The only place where I think they maybe could have done better inside the roster constraints is probably the expansion draft. And now it's about getting the top end build out and i realized i haven't even come close to answering your question no it's okay it was a it was a it was an unfair question so i don't want (laughs) to you can answer it however you want i think if they i mean if they get a a legitimate number nine you know if they go spend uh and again it's not about spend it's about production but if they go spend enough money to get a number nine and he comes in and, and he um you know starts popping in goals i think this team could very easily be you know above the playoff line somewhere in that five six range uh you know or if they whiff on whoever that those DP signings are, or they just take too long to adjust to MLS, which is certainly a possibility when you're talking about the summer summer transfer window. It could be sort of where they're at right now for the foreseeable future. Uh, and that's kind of a bleak outlook, I think, for Austin Benz. But I, I think that there's no shame in finishing ninth or 10th in the Western Conference this year. That's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree with that. And maybe this is a little bit more of a fair question. What do you think the atmosphere is going to be like at, uh, at I'm blanking, Q2? Q2, Q2 Stadium, yeah. Yes, Q2. I, I, I was thinking Q2, but I was like, is that right? Anyway, uh, what's, what's, what, should, what should fans expect at Q2 Stadium? What is the mood like among Austin fans? It seems like the I, – I know, you know, I, I used to joke when this was – when pre-court was first talking about Columbus that he went to South by Southwest was <laughs> talking to some uh, tech bros. And they said, you know, it would be a lot cooler than owning an MLS team in Columbus, owning an MLS team in, in Austin. And that kind of birthed this whole idea. But the funny thing is that whatever you thought you perceived the market being in Austin, it in some ways feels like it's actually better. It seems like oh, it, for sure. it yeah. seems like e- even if you had high expectations, this what seems to be going on there is like kind of blowing those out of the water. Yeah. I, I was sort of writing my preview for this and, you know, I just kind of riff for a couple paragraphs and then get into like kickoff time, but you know, the, the whole deal. And, and, but my riff this time was like who invented soccer, right? Because like this, that's kind of the old trope from, you know, the old, huh. the, 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 <laughs> you, you know, this one, right, Jeremiah? Oh, oh yeah. I think I've heard this one yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so like the crew fans and the DC United fans like to sort of joke that, you know, Seattle thinks they invented soccer and then, you know, Atlanta came into the league and they invented soccer. Yeah. And it's been a LAFC invented it gets soccer. Past, the, and, the, the, the baton gets passed around quite a bit. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not claiming that Austin's going to be that next city, but the moments for me that have really felt like something that you only see in places like Seattle and Portland and, uh, you know, these cities where the soccer culture is just so strong. I mean, there were 200 people marching down the streets of downtown Denver uh, in Verde. And pretty you know, impressive. And then they did the same thing in Nashville. They went down Broadway in Nashville with the drums and trumpets. And, uh, you know, they've got this Latin flair to things that I think is is super unique uh, in MLS. Um, not totally, but I think that the way that they've done it, uh, there's a guy named uh, Rigo um, sorry, Rigo. I, I really should Rigo Rodriguez Lira, and he's a Tigres fan. He grew up, you know, in Monterrey, 
uh, and he's brought in, he's traveled around Mexico following Tigris and he's brought in those ideas and that culture into and infused it into this already excited fan base about uh, this new MLS team. And it's sort of created this culture within Los Verdes, which is the supporters group that I think I followed this league for, for, you know, long enough to, I think, say pretty confidently that people are going to be surprised when they turn on an Austin game in June and they, you know, it's, that stadium's rocking. It's going to be hundred percent capacity. Uh, they're going to have La Merga in there. They're going to have, you know, the whole thing. They're going to have TIFO. Uh, they're hosting the U S uh, both, probably both U S national teams this summer with uh, June 16th is the first ever match at Q2 stadium with the U S women's national team playing Nigeria. And then they've got the, the um, CONCACAF gold cup semifinal, which is like blows my mind that they put the semifinal in an MLS stadium, but Q2 is going to host that and most likely well, will be the U S in their defense. They were also planning this at a time when they didn't know what was going to be open for sure. Yeah. yeah. And Texas was one of the places that was like, no, come on down. We'll, we'll let you have fans. <laughs> yeah. The only place that's more open than Texas is Nashville. Let me tell you. Oh yeah. I've, I've heard, I've heard that. Yeah. But yeah. So, it, so it is, but it, it is, I'm actually, I'm actually genuinely like, I don't get that excited about seeing, other stadiums open in part because i feel like i i get to see a really great atmosphere every every, you know well haven't recently but uh up until about 16 months ago there was a great atmosphere almost every week and you know you'd go down and i you know i've been to portland uh obviously atlanta is a whole different beast which i still uh am amazed about what's going on there but Austin sounds like it's going to be another one that just fits right in there. And all of a sudden is, you know, like, like, you know, it it is going to be one of those we invented, like, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Austin fans that are like, no, we're doing it right. We're doing it the way no one else has done it before. And it will birth the Austin FC uh, invented soccer memes, which I think in a lot of ways is like, Oh God, Columbus fans are going to come after us now, Jeremiah. What have we done? What have we done? But, you know, I think it's a badge of honor, you know, honestly, you, you, I think if your fan base is that pumped up about what they're bringing to the, bringing to the table in that way, and other, so much so that other fans around the league are getting annoyed with you, that's, I think you're doing something right. Like, because it it takes a certain volume to get other people that annoyed and it takes a certain, like it, it takes a certain uh, insecurity with what you are doing in your own fan base to see other people being that excited about what they're doing in that, that fan base and be bothered enough to uh, accuse them of inventing soccer. Right. And, uh, and that's, <laughs> and if you huge... zoom out and look big picture a little bit, I think that what it does is like you add all these together, you add Seattle, Portland, yes. Atlanta, LAFC, um, you know, I, I might be I'm probably leaving. I mean, Orlando is pretty good. Uh, you know, there, there's so there's enough, in this league now, I think Miami's going to get there eventually once they can actually have fans. And they don't fans. all look the same. And they don't all look the same. And we have an actual soccer culture. Like, right. that's the thing that's developing, I think, that when you start to add all these things together, and hopefully, you know, once it reaches this critical mass, then, you know, maybe that's the moment that Columbus actually is able to, you know, sustain because this is a big league now this is a league that people want to watch on tv that people want to go to the stadium because it's an 
you know, it place to be. Matthew McConaughey is out leading the cheers on Saturday night in Austin. That looks pretty freaking cool. Wait, we have a team in our city that can do that? Like, right. I don't know. Like, those are the kinds of things that I start to think about. And then I get excited. And then I realize that it's, you know, I still got to figure out how to get people to click on my stories. But that's another problem, <laughs> Jeremiah, that we'll talk about off this podcast. Yeah, well, uh, I, I will say that I think what you guys are doing at Striker is fascinating and if you are a soccer fan in the Seattle area and you are intrigued, I would definitely I'd go check out Striker and see what they're doing because it's an it's an interesting project. Uh, they are essentially launching an independent soccer website that is, you know, there's a million independent sites out there, but they're actually trying to do yeah, it. And you can get 30 days free. So, like, I don't expect Seattle fans to obviously stick on and, and pay for the content to read about you know, uh, Austin FC and FC Dallas and Rio Grande Valley Toros, but, you know, 30 days free, you know, sign up and, and you can cancel, uh, after, after that. And, um, but also if you like the content, you can stick on, I'm not gonna, yeah, Hey, I'm not gonna argue. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, but I, I think it's exciting that there's interesting things going on around MLS. I, I think the less cookie cutter we get, the better off we are. Uh, it should be like all these teams should have regional flavor. All these, in, all these supporter groups should put their own spin on things. And if the cost of that is some sensitive fans in Columbus uh, hurling insults, you know that's that's a price I think we could all be willing to pay. Uh, so I I would hope that Austin fans take that in stride, and and, and I'm I'm looking forward to. To seeing games there, I would like to think at some point I'll I'll get out there. I don't know that I'll be out there in July, but I would love to to get out to Austin for a game one of these days. I I I have been to Austin before. I will tell you right now, it was the first time that I had brisket where I was like, oh, this is why people get so excited about <laughs> this is brisket. why people eat meat. Right, this exactly. Is why people. Like- <laughs> This is why the world is going to crap. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't get, I still don't get breakfast tacos uh, or that's what you guys call them, right? Breakfast tacos. Yep. I don't get, I don't get the appeal like eggs and tortilla. It's like get a breakfast burrito. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, Jeremiah, I had two this morning. They're fine. They're great. Don't get me wrong. I just don't like, I don't get what makes them like a delicacy. Like they're just pretty straightforward. (laughs) Like they're, a tortilla with with salsa and eggs. I love that, but I just don't like. I've never like. I would imagine a regional cuisine being built around such a simple uh, delivery device. Brisket, on the other hand, is mind blowing uh, when you get it done right. And even in the airport at Austin, you can get amazing brisket, which seems illegal, but somehow is how it is. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks for doing this, Chris. It was fun. Uh, you know, I liked. I think. I, I'm going to take some credit. We we only passingly mentioned Matthew McConaughey at the end there, so I think that was pretty. Ah, good. damn it! I almost made it. I know, almost. It was probably going to be your first interview that no one asked you about it, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't, <laughs> I, I don't actually. I think you were on Sounders Weekly, and I don't think they mentioned McConaughey at all. But uh, I'm telling you, Rigo Rigo is the real minister of culture, and if, if that gets me. Uh, you know, yelled at by the front office. That's no, funny. I think that's like, get you. Points. He's awesome. Yeah. Well, that, that sounds good. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for seeing how Austin develops. I'm not too excited to see them try to get points here. I would prefer that they uh, hold off on turning around their season for at least another week, but 
I do think it's an interesting, I do genuinely think it's an interesting thing that you guys got going there. So uh, best of luck. And uh, hopefully we have a good game on Sunday. Yeah. I just look forward to getting up to Seattle and, and maybe we can uh, grab a drink or. Oh yeah. Yeah, something. for sure. I can, there's now there's places open now. So, you know, it's, uh, it's getting great. Like Seattle is, is almost, we're, we're practically opening up now. It's, it's getting wild. We're, you know, everyone's vaccinated and exciting times here in Seattle. For sure. Can't wait. All right. Well, uh, thanks for, for hanging out, Chris, uh, by all means, follow what's your what's your twitter handle so just at, add, add chris bills the only thing that one l there is one l yeah okay but, uh yeah and then at the striker texas on social and uh striker texas dot the striker texas.com we also have an app on uh google play and uh the apple store awesome perfect all right well we will uh see you soon and uh this was the center at heart podcast and we will catch you next time